With Halloween just around the corner, my family has plenty of tricks and treats planned. But thanks to Pampers, one thing I have never been afraid of is a leaky diaper. Fear no leaks with new and improved Pampers Swaddlers, now featuring a blowout barrier at the back waist that helps prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blowouts. We've always looked forward to getting the girls dressed up for Halloween when they were babies. And with Pampers, we knew that in addition to being absolutely adorable in their costumes, they would be dry, clean, and comfortable. With Swaddlers, you can rest assured that you have superior leak protection while keeping baby skin healthy. Pampers Breathe Free Liner wicks away wetness, allowing baby skin to breathe, while the lockaway channels help keep baby skin dry and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologists approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Pamper Swaddlers are available in sizes newborn to size 8 and now feature designs with the newest animal characters, Shiloh the Elephant and Freddy the Duck. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. A little update on our March 27th live recording of Latina to Latina. You did it. You sold out our early bird tickets. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There is still time to grab your regular tickets while they last. Again, the details. We are partnering with our friends at Poderistas to bring you a conversation with New York Times bestselling author Sochil Gonzalez. It is happening at the William Vale in Brooklyn on March 27th. You can find the link to purchase tickets on our Instagram page at Latina to Latina or online at Alicia Menendez XO. I cannot wait to see you. Trying to find a better life in a different place. As Latinas, it's a common thread in our lives, in our family's histories. But for Diana Trujillo, a better life in a different place didn't just bring her to the United States. It brought her to space. Diana is an aerospace engineer. She works at NASA, where she's one of the flight directors for NASA's Perseverance rover, which is looking for signs of past life on Mars. Her journey to get here is remarkable. It was fueled by some really powerful women and her deep conviction that Latinas need to be in the room when we learn that there is life beyond this planet. I want to start with the women in your family, because it seems to me that the entire trajectory of your life is informed by your mom and by the women who raised you. So would you start by telling me about them? My mom, my grandma, my great grandma, and in general, my grandma's sisters, my cousins. This was a group of women that would get together on my grandma's house, which was a block away from my house. And we will always have, you know, el cafecito in the kitchen. They will talk about their marriage life, what was going on with their husband, what was going on with their kids. And it was funny because all of them were older women. And I think that the only kid was me and sometimes my mom's cousin. But to me, they were all my tias. There wasn't like first, second, third tia. There was like my tias watching them talk to each other about the things that they wanted in their lives, the things that they wanted to keep for their own personal development, but at the same time, how hard it was for them to make that trade with their significant others. So I think that hearing all of that, but at the same time, hearing them try to find a way to get what they wanted made me think two things. One of them was, why are you not choosing the thing that you want to do? Why are you not going for that thing? I hear you say, I want this, but I can't. I want this, but I can't. 
But at the same time, talking about how hard their relationships were and and coming up with a plan as to how to make it work, even in the midst of everything else that they were going on, gave me that hope that you just don't give up. And a common thread among these women was the fact that as they would begin to succeed, the men would leave. In some of those cases, that's correct. For my grandma and for my mom, my grandma went up to fifth grade. You know, she found her significant other and got married very early, pretty much almost as a child. And they worked really hard together to create a company and make it succeed But then later on, as things evolved, you know, the marriage dissolved for specific reasons internally to them. And at that point, when they dissolved, the company kept going. But my grandma didn't have any part on the company anymore. And then the same thing happened with my mom. My dad started from a small town in Colombia and then moved to the big town where my mom was. She and him make it all happen, even through the company of my grandpa, And then later on, they got divorced. And again, as the marriage dissolved, my mom ended up having way less than my dad. You're 17. You moved to Miami. You learned English going to Miami-Dade. You worked as a housekeeper, went to community college. What was propelling you through that time? I think that what was propelling me all that time were a few things. One of them is when I left Colombia, I thought about this group of women. And I thought two things. One of them was the way that is evolving for you ladies is not a long-term solution. You're kind of in a pendulum, like in a balance where you're like, I hope that he's okay and I'm okay and he's okay. And then he's he's not okay anymore. Bung, you fall. And so I could see some of that had already happened to my grandma at that time had already happened to my mom. And I'm thinking, oh, I see the pattern and I don't see any way out of that pattern because I saw you trying to hold it together. I didn't see you like, oh, whatever, you know, like I'm going to let him do whatever he wants. No, it was like constant trying to make it work. And so if they worked so hard to make it work and they still fell off the balance, I didn't see a way of actually make it work, that it wasn't me giving up eventually. Uh, The other thing that was in my mind was, it's not a long-term solution what we have here and nobody's going to help you. So I'm going to do it. It wasn't like, oh my God, I'm going to have to deal with this. No, it was none of these guys are going to come back for you, but I am. And so I'm going out there. I'm going to go find out how I am going to do it. And then I'm going to come back for you because you gave too much to be forgotten and to be erased. And so what propelled me here in the U.S. really was Okay, now I'm in survival mode. What like what am I gonna eat? <laughs> Where am I gonna sleep? Uh, do I have enough money for like the rest of this week or even for the n- next few days? So I think that when you get down to that level in your life where the rubber meets the road, there's nothing else. You have nothing to lose. So if you don't have anything to lose and at the same time everything to lose, then you might as well just do your best and let's see what happens. When my babies were going through their exploration stage, I had so much to worry about. Falling over, bumping heads, what did she just put in her mouth? The list was endless. But when they were in pamper swaddlers, I knew I never had to worry about a leaky diaper. Swaddlers are great for both baby and mommy. They keep your baby's skin healthy and dry with Pampers Breathe Free Liner, which wicks away wetness, allowing your baby's skin to breathe. 
Swaddlers have always given me peace of mind knowing that diaper rash and leaky diapers were not in our future. There's also the blow-up barrier at the back waist to help prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blow-ups. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic and free of parabens and latex. Your baby deserves that. And they're available in a wide range of sizes from newborn to size 8. And now feature designs with the newest animal characters, Shiloh the Elephant and Freddy the Duck. Having a diaper you can depend on is important. And it's why I have always loved Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today to start earning rewards with every diapers and wipes purchase. Not to mention, get great parenting content with Pampers Club. Hi, Latina to Latina listeners. It's Brenda from Tamarindo Podcast. And if you love Latina to Latina, then we know that you're going to love Tamarindo Podcast. And if you're in the L.A. area and can't make it to the Latina to Latina live event, we'd like to invite you to our event on March 28th at 6.30 p.m. We're hosting Amigas Blossoming, a night of celebrating and cultivating blossoming friendships. This will be in Highland Park, and all the details to RSVP for free are at tamarindopodcast.com forward slash events. Hey, Red, what are you up to? Just making sure all the M&M's gifts are wrapped and the ball is filled. Remember that one holiday party when we had no M&M's? Oh, boy, I still have nightmares. The cookies? Yeah, you used all the M&M's candies that were meant to decorate the party treats to decorate snowmen. You did it again, didn't you? <laughs> they do look cute, though. Bringing cheer, M&M's for all fun kind. You could have, though, like gotten to get a degree in business or accounting. I don't know that aerospace engineering. <laughs> oh, OK. Well, that's that's that. Yes. So, no, I go ahead. Ask me so how did you how, how did you end up studying aerospace engineering? I didn't know I was smart until I was learning English. And it, it just sucks that something external to you has to happen for you to say, oh, I'm actually smart. It's like, how many times did somebody tell you you were not good enough for you to think yourself that you're not smart? While I was learning English was when I realized somebody else called it to me and said, you're, you know, you're actually smart, right? Like, you, here are your grades. And I'm like, I didn't know what my grades were. I didn't know I was doing well. And then I got into an honors organization. So your question about when does space comes into my life, space had come into my life when I was a kid in Colombia. And I think I had at some point said, you know, when I got here, it's like, that's not going to give me enough money quickly. But then my realization that I could work hard, that I was very much persistent and had a lot of discipline and I was smart now made me realize that I can add an additional goal into my life, which was not just make sure that I can keep the women in my family safe and send them money and make sure that they keep going. I also could make them proud. Mm. and make them proud in a way that they never expected I could do that. Because it's not that they never expected because they thought that I was less. It's just that they never expected because I myself don't even expect it. And even when I tell you my story now, I started like that. And now I'm on my second mission on the surface of another planet, trying to find out we're alone in the universe. It's like, what? <laughs> so, so to me, it was like, yes, I want that moment. You know, I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I need to do two things. Wouldn't it be awesome if I do something with my life where like people learn about what I did, like they read books about it and realize 
other things about our universe and learn in school. And then maybe I can come back home and then mention it to my parents and to my family in general and say, you know, you remember all those times that you thought we couldn't do it? And when I said we, I mean, my mom, my grandma, my great grandma, my aunt, you were wrong. Those were the people that raised me. Those people that we wanted to forget, erase, move on from. Those were the people that actually make this happen. Senior year, a teacher encourages you to apply to the NASA Academy. What was that experience like? (laughs) It was petrifying through all my life. And I think that, again, all of us go through that. It's like you have this burst of confidence, like, I can do this. And then all of a sudden, like, I cannot do this. And so it's like a roller coaster. And I feel like at the point where I applied to the NASA Academy, I was in my lowest part of my roller coaster. I don't even know why I did the application, to be honest. I think I did it out of respect for the person that had suggested that I would do it. I remember doing it. And then right when I was going to send it, I was like, my, no, my English is not good enough. And they're going to read it and they're going to be like, who's this person and what does she think? And I don't have, you know, Ivy League school this, Ivy League school this. And I haven't done research of that and research of the other. But it's interesting because as I'm telling it to you here is that I realize me as a woman that has put myself into that roller coaster of good enough, not good enough, good enough, not good enough. When you are in the not good enough, you're also like not good enough because you don't have three PhD, five masters and two bachelors. And it's like, who does but you still manage to tell yourself that you need them anyways I didn't apply and I remember sitting in my apartment with my roommates telling them you know this professor told us this because we were all taking the same class and I did it but I'm not gonna send it and I remember in my room and it's like show me your computer I'm like yeah it's here but you know it's like doing like 20 minutes from now and I already did it but I don't want to submit it and we were we were doing that like romanticizing myself with the idea that I was going to apply. So I was actually literally waiting for the cutoff time of the application. And I'm waiting the time. I'm like, I'm going to look at the clock. I'm going to pass it. I'm going to say, you know, that was one thing I was going to do in my life, but I wasn't good enough. And I hand the computer to my friend and he's the one that sends the application for me. Like, I remember he's like, quick, I just sent your application. And I'm like, wait, what? It's like, I just sent your application. It's like, it's, it was like, deadline in like 15, 20 minutes and you were here with me telling me how much you wanted it and you hadn't even done it. So I figured you were not going to do it. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, did you read it? And he's like, no, but it was complete, right? <laughs> so anyways, he sends it for me and it works out. What did you learn in that time at the Academy? And then after, I mean, you were one of only two members of that class that ends up getting hired at NASA. I learned what it is like to have a desire of wanting to do something regardless of where you're coming from. Because when I got there, I knew my English wasn't that great. I knew that I wasn't from any of those Ivy League schools of those folks that were there. A lot of the people that were in the room had done research of this and research of that, and they knew a lot about space. I didn't. But I realized that... I had a lot of drive. I didn't know about that, but I was the one at three in the morning, four in the morning, five in the morning, getting it together, asking the questions, pulling it together. It wasn't about what I knew. It was the desire of wanting to know 
that made it happen for me. I think that at the end of that summer, because I had so much desire to want to know, I had met so many people. I had made so many connections. I had learned exactly what their other people's jobs were and what the opportunities were. And and I was triangulating, where am I going next? And it wasn't like, oh, this is great. I'm learning. No, it was like, it's coming my way. Looking back, it's like I was working while I was in this internship, even though the internship was designed for me to learn. I was using everything that I was learning and strategizing where I was going to go next. And that makes me think that that is the desire that I had. And it's interesting because I was seeing people that had super awesome jobs. I never thought like, oh, that job is great. How is your day at the office? It was always like, how do I get your job? Tell me what you did so I can get your job and exactly what you did and what you didn't, what you shouldn't have done. And tell me everything about it because I want your job. So that's kind of how I approached it. It's a form of savvy that is hard to teach, which is you do have to be able to sort of uh, take in that information and assess how someone got from point A to point B so that you can either replicate their journey or figure out how you can accomplish the same thing a different way. How did you navigate the early part of your career at NASA such that you wouldn't end up being a, a very talented and smart engineer, but someone who I wouldn't be speaking with today? The reason why I think that I didn't get lost in the organization, either now working at NASA or on my first job, which was to resupply cargo to the space station, is because to me was, why am I doing this for? Like, what's the mission? Does the mission matter? And does the mission matter is a subjective answer, right? But to me, if you ask all the projects that I worked on, it's not the, is it a bigger one? Is it the flashy one? Is it the, no, it was like, what are we trying to do? Oh, we're trying to find this out. Oh, that sounds awesome. But I'm sure that if the answer was, oh, we're trying to do this other thing, it's like, oh, I don't think I can do it. I've always found something bigger than myself that I believe in. And it's interesting because by the goal being bigger than myself, that means that I am one little like grain of salt in all of that ginormous thing that we're trying to do. But at the same time, the mission is so important that you will get 500% of me. So I will not be one grain of salt. I will just follow it through, right? And so in every single mission that I worked on is every six months, I'm like, next job, next job, next job, next job. And it's not next job because I want to climb the ladder. Is next job because it's like problem solved. Let's go to the next thing. What's the thing that is going to stop us in our tracks and we cannot do the job that we're trying to go for? That, okay, I'm throwing myself at that. And so I think that I just found myself in the firefighting mode to push the goal as hard as I could. And because of that, looking back, found myself in very, very key moments of every mission that I have worked on including like the deployment of the helicopter, which I'm sitting on console being the flight director. And I'm thinking, wait, how did I end up here? Wait, break that down for us. For those of us who are not space nerds, <laughs> what does that mean? So Perseverance has a lot of first. Perseverance is a mission that is geared towards finding if we are alone in the universe by trying to figure out if there is any signature, biosignature on the surface of Mars from the past. But that's not the only thing that we're trying to do. We also had a lot of first. We had a, the first instrument that generated oxygen on the surface of Mars, which I end up 
helping that activity happen on Mars out of coincidence. This is one of those things where it's like, we're trying to get through this and we'll be working 25 hours. <laughs> it's like, okay, but what's the thing that's stopping us? That I'm going to go help. Also has the most complicated mechanical system that we have taken to another planet to capture the sample. And then it has a helicopter. We've never flown another helicopter on the surface of or in any planet whatsoever, except Earth took a helicopter during the deployment phase as we were attempting to deploy the helicopter from the belly of the rover, we experienced some issues. So again, it's like, okay, I'm going to throw myself at that. And in all of these cases that I just mentioned, either I had the honor, a tremendous blessing to be in the room, either preparing the activity or leading the team doing the activity. Or the helicopter, the helicopter goes on the belly of the rover, just imagining like a kangaroo and the baby. And so it's on the belly of the rover, four legs come down, but it stays stuck on the rover itself on purpose because it's getting power and data and thermal. Uh, We're heating it, right? And then there's a specific day where we cut all of that interconnections in between the rover and the helicopter. When we cut it, it drops. And then we have to autonomously drive. And so you're thinking about like this teeny thing, a standard box, on the bottom of a mini that is going to drive uh, autonomously <laughs> on another planet. And you're waiting, you're hoping, you know, it's like, don't drive the wrong way because you will drive over. And by the way, let's make sure that the thing caught correctly because otherwise you're going to drag it. As the flight director, I'm leading the technical team that is looking at direct from Mars to Earth data. So we command, we wait, you know, 17 minutes round trip from Mars to Earth, and we watch it. And then we keep asking, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, as you're trying to drive, just to make sure that, you know, you're not stuck. If you're stuck, we're going to have to turn around and do an anomaly investigation on the fly to make sure that we didn't, like, drag you down in the worst possible way. So, yeah, I am flight director watching all of this. It was super stressful because you don't know what you're expecting. We're doing the first one ever. Looking back at that is... Why was I sitting there? I was sitting there because I happened to have been the one in the evening, two nights before, with the team looking at it because I had had enough experience on anomalies and issues that we have seen in the past. And because it doesn't matter how long we've been working, I'm always there trying to figure out how are we going to push it. It all goes back to me in my mind and you know my culture and the way that I am, which is fighter, you don't take a step back, you take a step forward. And, you know, that survival thing that I feel like a lot of Latinos have of, I need to go out there and fight. You you go at life and you don't wait life to come to you. I feel like we run at it. And that's why I have been lucky to be in all these places. Heard you say that you wanted to live a life where you could have everything and everything defined in this case as a family, and a career, is living that dream as you imagined it would be? Yes, it is. It's, it's interesting because part of the reason why I wanted that, and thank God I have it too, is I hated it when it was like, well, first, you're not smart enough. Second, you shouldn't do this. Third, you should just, you know, make sure that you don't wrinkle your dress, you know? <laughs> sit down there and just look nice and stay there. And it's like, oh my God, like, 
okay, I can't be myself. And then third of all, after you do all of those things and you have acquired and understood all those restrictions, recognize that you will not get what you want. And it's like, wait, this feels sour. Like, what are you talking about? Not only I cannot eat what I want because I need to look perfect and my way needs to be this specific way. And then I need to wear all of this other stuff. You're also telling me that intellectually and emotionally, I cannot get what I want. To me, it was like, why not? Why not? Like, what is the thing that's going to stop me from getting it? It's not going to be you. It's going to be me. And I think that when I turned the tables and I realized you don't get to tell me what I get, I get to choose that. And it continues to be important to me to get it all because I don't want anybody to tell me or to tell you or to tell any young woman or any Latino girl that wants to do something that she needs to choose. No, she doesn't have to choose. She can do it all. And so right now, did, did I imagine it was going to be everything? It's, it's super funny to me to think that I got it more complicated than what I thought it was going to be from that perspective of, I always thought, you know, I'm going to have my kids, my husband, my dog, and I'm going to have a great job. But it never occurred to me that I was going to have my kids, my husband, but my husband with a kick-ass job, equally stressful and up there with me. It never occurred to me that our conversations were going to be, are you taking them to skating while I go land the rover or am I taking them to (laughs) swimming? Why am I taking them to swimming while your rocket goes out? Like, and this is literally our conversations. It's like, when is your engine fire test? Oh, is this Saturday? Oh, okay. Then I will take them to swimming. And when is your, uh, you know, whatever, your first time that you're going to do oxygen on Mars is Thursday. Can you cover for me on reading class? It reminds me of um, in one of the Obama books, he talks about calling Michelle Obama because he had just like passed a nuclear deal or something. And she's like, that's nice. We have ants. (laughs) Right. Or it's like when domestic runs up against space exploration. Oh, my God. It's it's awesome. It's awesome. You know, your example of the ants is, is amazing because, you know, you're coming up here and then you realize, wait, there's things more important in life than that right now, which in the grand scheme of things, if you say, you know, <laughs> the nuclear deal with ants, not the same thing. One is more important, but it's not. Actually, it's not. Turns out that if you have your family there, if you have your support system, if you have, you know, that love that fuels you all the time, then yes, in a way, like the ants are more important right now, because if I don't figure that out, I'm not going to figure out the nuclear deal. I'm going to sit down over there. My brain is going to be somewhere else and not where it needs to. The day that I left the house for landing day, February 18, I left the house around 8.15 a.m. My husband and I, because of COVID, we have to send the pre-made cold food for the kids. And it can't be reusable stuff. It has to be all the stuff you have to trash. So on the brown bag... We've been putting their names and sometimes we make drawings. And it was my husband's day. And I remember when he woke up, I said, can you make a lunchbox for me too? Because I don't know what I'm going to eat. And he did it. And all three, it was a little brown bag with stick figures of all of us, including the dog. And by the way, my mom lives with me. And each one of them had a little message of like, you're awesome, mommy. And it was one of those things where I grabbed the bag and I thought, My family is with me. And no matter what's going to happen, if we crash land, 
like they know their mommy did whatever she could. And if it doesn't work, I'm still going to come back to you guys. And I'm still like, this is still my circle, you know, and, and we'll try it again and we'll, we'll give it another shot, another mission. Maybe this one doesn't work, but the next one will. If things don't work out as an engineer, I think you could have a bright future as a motivational speaker. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Diana, thank you so much for this time. This was incredible. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening. Latina to Latina is executive produced and owned by Juleka Lantigua Williams and me, Alicia Menendez. Paulina Velasco is our senior producer. Our lead producer is Cedric Wilson. Pojin Tashiro is our associate sound designer. Manuela Pedoya is our social media editor and ad ops lead. We love hearing from you. Email us at hola at latinatolatina.com. Keep sliding into our DMs on Instagram and tweet us at Latina to Latina. Remember to subscribe and follow us on Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Good Pods, wherever you're listening right now. And know that every time you share the podcast or leave a review, you help us to grow as a community. A little update on our March 27th live recording of Latina to Latina. You did it. You sold out our early bird tickets. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There is still time to grab your regular tickets while they last. Again, the details. We are partnering with our friends at Poderistas to bring you a conversation with New York Times bestselling author, Sochil Gonzalez. It is happening at the William Vale in Brooklyn on March 27th. You can find the link to purchase tickets on our Instagram page at Latina to Latina or online at Alicia Menendez XO. I cannot wait to see you.